Welcome to the Business Behind Your Business, conversations to help your business grow and thrive. Hi, I'm Paul Sweeney, founder of Predium Solutions, chartered accountants and certified business advisors, hosting the Business Behind Your Business. Welcome back to the Business Behind Your Business. Um, look, this is an exciting time. We're seeing a lot of people starting businesses and they're starting businesses for different reasons. But one of the problems we're encountering when we often speak to people about the business they've just set up is that they have got things wrong. So what we're going to look at in this episode, we're going to look at 12 things that can go wrong when you select a business structure. And the reason we want to do that is we're seeing a lot of people go and set up a structure and it's not the right structure. So we, what we have here is we've got a low cost uh, way of setting up a business, uh, particularly a new business. But in actual fact, that low cost method can be more expensive. And what we're going to do is unpack why that is the case, why that, that low cost um, way of setting up your business on the internet is actually going to be more expensive or can cause problems for you. So the cheaper way is actually to do it right the first time. And look, we're always um, encouraging you to get advice from an experienced professional before you take action. Uh, the expensive way of setting up a new business is commonly disguised as the low-cost method where you go onto the internet and you self-help and you set up your structure by yourself. And that's where the problems start. What we're seeing is a lot of people coming uh, and asking us, now I've set up my, my company, my structure, I don't know what to do next. And this is where some of the real costs start to come in. So getting the wrong structure or, or getting some poor advice, don't listen to your mate at the pub, uh, unless he's a qualified accountant and he's actually giving you advice on your specific <laughs> circumstances. But let's have a look at some of the, the things that can go wrong uh, when you're setting up a structure because we want you to avoid those situations. So if you've got a great idea for your business, we want you to set up and get going on the right footing right from the beginning, knowing and being confident that you've done the work, you've got the right structure in place, and going forward, all you need to concentrate on is growing the business, running the business, and making more profit. <clears throat> we don't want to be in a situation where we have to go back and fix structural issues. So let's have a look at some of the 12 things that could possibly go wrong if you don't get your homework done, if you don't get advice before you set up a structure. And the first one is pretty obvious that you choose the wrong structure. Okay, so there are varying structures. So in Australia, we have companies, trusts, partnerships, or sole traders um, are the main structures that people operate for a business. Now, that each one has an advantage and a disadvantage. Now, a company, the distribution of income is fixed. So it has um, some disadvantages there because you can't gen um, channel income into the most tax-effective um, people in your family. Um, but on the other side, a company does have advantages. So it allows you to bring in outside investors. It allows you um, to participate in applications for funding in terms of grants or certain grants rely on you having a company structure. So in some cases, a company structure is correct. In other cases, it's not. And sometimes we need a combination to get the best tax result, not just when you're running the business, but when you sell the business. Uh, the other one that we see is people set up a structure, they set up 
Um, they get a domain name, the internet. Um, what they haven't looked at is, are they infringing on somebody's trademark? Now, so just because a domain name is available and a company name is available, uh, it doesn't mean that it is uh, 100% safe to use. Somebody could have an international trademark. It might mean that they don't actually have a company registered in, in this country, in Australia, uh, but you could be infringing on their trademark or so a, a copyrighted um, uh, intellectual property, maybe a, a logo or a phrasing. So we need to be careful there as well. So that is an issue. So making sure you don't infringe on somebody else's trademark or intellectual property, because that can cause disasters down the track. I've heard of a number of people who have set up a company, they've grown it, they've built a following, they've got customers, they're selling, and they get a cease and desist letter. So that is a problem at that point. So we want to avoid that. So do some research before you actually set up your company, before you register a trademark, I mean, I'm sorry, register your domain name, and make sure that you're not infringing on somebody else's trademark. The third thing we look at is is when people are setting up trusts. Now, trusts are used, uh, discretionary trusts are used to effectively, um, you know, distribute income to the most tax effective person in your in your family structure. The problem is some of the trustees that you might get off the shelf or or download um, don't exclude certain people as potential beneficiaries. So we need to be careful of that because. We want to avoid a situation where you might have an ex-partner and their children or, uh, or you've, you're currently in a relationship and you've got children from, from the, your, your partner's uh, previous uh, marriage. Uh, there's situations where you may not want one of those people to be a possible beneficiary of your trust and, and receiving your business profits. So we need to be very careful about who is and who is not a beneficiary. Uh, and that's where you will probably best advise to get some legal advice from, from uh, somebody uh, who is a, a lawyer who specialises in business law. So making sure that if you are using a trust, that the actual deed um, specifies the right beneficiaries and excludes certain beneficiaries that you don't want um, to have access to your business profits. And, and make sure if you are, even if you're going through a solicitor, make sure that the people specified in the documents are the people that you actually want. I have seen a situation where, uh, unfortunately, the, the deed was drafted and specified, um, obviously copied from one template to another, and the wrong person was specified as the, as the beneficiary of the trust. And... Um, Unfortunately, this was not picked up by another professional who reviewed it afterwards. So the onus is on you signing the documents as well to make sure that you understand the terms and also make sure that the people identified are the correct people that you want to have as the beneficiaries of your trust. So what we've got to do as well is make sure we know who we're getting into bed with, know who our uh, business partners are going to be. If you're going to go into partnership with somebody, do some research. And if there are risks, you need to choose a structure that reduces your exposure to liability for your partner's mistakes for their actions. And this is often overlooked uh, in the in the honeymoon phase of setting up a business. Now, if, if we go back um, to one of our earlier episodes, we talked with Philip Vanderheever about um, shareholders agreements and getting that structuring agreement in place right from the beginning to avoid 
uh, conflict and uh, issues later on. And we need to get that done before the honeymoon period starts because while that honeymoon period is on, everything is great, it's fantastic, but it's after that time that things can go wrong uh, and that's when we really need to have that agreement in place. Taxation, look, everybody hates taxation. Everybody hates paying taxes, but we can choose the structure to get us the best tax position, uh, depending on what we're um, looking to do, what kind of business we're in, if we're into into sales, uh, selling a product or a service or, or developing something for using research and technology. What is happening with the dividends? Where do we want them to go to? So we may need a more of a complex structure and we need to consider how the dividends or the capital when we do sell the business or when we do wind the business up, how is that capital profit going to be treated as well? So we need to have a bit of thought about the future, not just setting up the business, but what do we need the structure to do when we're actually uh, exiting from our business, from when we've sold the business or when we're retiring, what structure do we need and what are the consequences of doing that? And, and there are plenty of um, there are there are some guides around, and in fact, I've prepared a guide which is available for business owners to give some assistance in terms of understanding the structures of that are available when setting up a business, and, and including the taxation consequences of each each structure. So that that guide is available, um, but again, it's a guide. There's no substitute for getting specific advice from your advisors. Always get specific advice specific to your circumstances. Well, I mentioned about when you wind up the business, how is the profit treated? Um, how is the capital going to be treated when you sell the business? Many people don't think about what's going to happen when you exit, when they're starting the business. And that can actually be quite costly. We need to give thought to how are the capital profits going to be taxed? What exemptions are available for capital profits? How can we access them? And what do we need to do to make sure that we preserve our, our access to those exemptions and those benefits? Can we set up the structure to maximise our tax-free component when we sell the business at a profit? And that needs to be done before you start, okay? You need to get that in structure in place, not just to give you the best result while you're operating the business, but the best result when you're exiting from the business as well. Now, sometimes when we talk to people setting up a business, they talk about wanting to bring in outside investment at a future time. And often the structure they choose makes that difficult. So we see a lot of businesses set up in discretionary family trusts, which is good for um, flexibility with taxation and, and minimising the leakage to tax, but it's not a good structure for bringing in outside investment. So we need to have a structure that allows other investors to come in, and that might be through a unit trust or a company, um, Or, but we need to look at beyond just that immediate structure. So the ownership of our company, we might have that through the discretionary trust. So there are a few different options there. And I'm not going to go into detail about the different um, uh, ins and outs of each structure right here because uh, that would be a very long podcast and, and we want to avoid that. But getting that structure right so that you can actually bring in outside investment, and in most cases a company is going to be the structure that works to do that. So um, again, 
having a look at what are you going to do with the business? What's your goal? Uh, are you going to need to raise capital? And if you are, then a, a company structure, or at least a company structure for the core um, ownership or, or, or the operating entity needs to be put in place. And sometimes the structure you choose makes you ineligible for government grants, particularly if you're relying on the funding from those government grants to kickstart the growth of your business. And when I mention that, I'm thinking specifically about research and development and accelerating commercialization. Some of those grants, the minimum viable product grants, in a lot of cases, if you don't operate through a company structure, you will um, be ineligible for a lot of those grants. Um, so if you are thinking that you're going to be dependent on grant funding, uh, particularly in the early stage, you need to make sure your structure is going to be eligible for that government grant. So again, planning is crucial. Planning is crucial. Make sure you understand what you're going to be doing with your business before you set up the structure. Now, sometimes we set up the structure incorrectly and and then... Uh, yeah, when it comes to selling the the business later on, um, there can be consequences for, from the taxation um, situation. So we end up paying more tax than we than we thought we would because we didn't have the structure set up correct. Um, and sometimes uh, people don't get their taxation registrations correct at the beginning. Um, so unless you're getting advice, which is always our recommendation, that you get advice from somebody suitably qualified. So if you're looking for taxation advice, get advice from a tax agent, registered tax agent, um, get advice from uh, a lawyer who, who is also able to give you tax advice. Make sure you get advice because you don't want to set up and get your registrations incorrect because we have seen in the past where people have not registered correctly, it's caused um, taxation issues down the track, um, and you know it's uh, something you want to avoid. You want to avoid having to go back and redo um, taxation uh, lodgements or activity statements or income tax, particularly if you've got the structure wrong or you've treated um, the distribution of profits incorrectly because you you had your structure that you thought you had was not what you actually had. Um, it's something we want to avoid. So making sure we get our tax registrations right from the beginning. And, and this is where sometimes we see that people who have registered themselves for for their um, ABN, the Australian Business Number, and GST, which is Goods and Services Tax, they've self-registered but haven't thought about the difference between accruals and cash. Now, there's two methods for GST. One is the accruals method and one's the cash method. The cash method is basically when you spend the money as when you can claim the GST credit. When you receive the money is when you are liable to pay the GST on your collections. And that's a very simple way of explaining GST on the cash method. On the accruals method instead, though, you are liable to pay the GST on sales when you invoice. Likewise, when you purchase from your suppliers, you're entitled to claim the GST credit when you are invoiced for that purchase. Now, here is the problem. If you're registered for GST using the accruals method, 
but your customers take a long time to pay. Let's say they take 60 days to pay. Then you could be liable for paying GST in, say, September, but you don't get paid till November. And that's a problem because you would have had to have paid the GST to the tax office before you received the payment from your customer. So we need to be careful about which method we use for GST when we're setting up our business. Now, I talked about uh, making sure that you knew who you were doing business with. You knew who you were getting into bed with in terms of your, your business. Who are your business partners? What do you know about them? What risks are you exposed to? Uh, what is the situation? And I mentioned about this shareholders agreement. It is crucial. Many, many, many businesses overlook this step. And when we have a problem, that is when we have a big problem because we have not got very clear, specific terms about their obligations to each other as shareholders and also about what happens when one person wants to exit the business, what are the processes and values. How is value calculated when one person wants to exit? So we we can lose a lot of momentum from our business when we have a dispute with a business partner. We can lose a lot of momentum, but we can also lose the whole business because they may want to sell, but if you uh, can't come to an agreement and they want to bring in a third party or, or, or you can't agree to it, you may end up having to wind up that business. And that's a situation we want to avoid. So careful planning at the beginning. Get the terms agreed before you start the business, before you start earning income, before you start committing to purchase stock, equipment, hiring people. Get that a shareholders agreement in place, in writing, and signed by all shareholders before you start. And you will avoid a lot of issues going forward. And if there is an issue that arises, you've got a very clear set of rules upon which you can make a, a, a decision that resolves the, the, yeah, the situation and you'll have an agreed upon outcome before it arises. And we want to be in that situation where, where we have a very clear understanding of what our rights and obligations are. Now, the last one is uh, the, the 12th thing that I want to mention is this whole idea of getting the right structure. We had this idea of separating risk and assets. So separate the risk from the assets. So if we have a risky business, we don't want to put any assets that we've owned from outside the business at risk. So what we see is sometimes everything is lumped into one structure. So the business, which is risky, is the same entity same structure that owns the investments. The problem is when something goes wrong with the risky business, all of the investment assets are at risk. And that's why we need to separate out our risk from our assets, our wealth creation. And that means we probably need to have two different structures or two different ownership, or maybe even a third, um, so that our risk is separated from our assets and so we get that protection in place. So there are a number of things that can go wrong. There are a number of things that can go wrong. Now, we can fix or restructure in a lot of cases after the event, but there may be a cost of doing that. In fact, there will be a cost because you will have to 
uh, have um, some advice. We'll have to look at the taxation consequences of restructuring, have to look at the implications upon shareholders' agreements, assuming you've got those in place, have to look at capital gains consequences. Stamp duty might be an issue. So we need to look into those things before we restructure. Is there a rollover relief available? Well, that's not a guarantee. Some cases there's there is a relief uh, if you if you uh, to put you in a position that you would have been in if you got advice at the beginning. But you want to avoid that because that's that's messy. It's complicated because if you have to restructure and use a different entity, suddenly you've got a different ABN number that you've got to sub- issue to uh, all of your customers and your suppliers. It's a lot of work. So it's important to get it done right. But if you haven't got the right structure set up, all is not lost. There are options available. And that's where um, getting advice from a lawyer, an accountant, tax agent can help you reset that structure into uh, an effective structure that gives you um, you protection. So risk and assets and risky business are separated gives you effective um, tax positions by being able to distribute income in the most effective manner, potentially gives you access to grants by having the right kind of structure, uh, company structure, access to outside investment if you need it. So we can fix that problem, but it's best not to have it in the first place. If you ever have a situation where uh, you need to repair work around your house, it usually is more costly to get it fixed and the result is never, never as good, never as good as if it was done right the first time. So what we want to do is make sure we set up correctly right from the beginning. So one of the things we've done here at the Business Behind Your Business is we put our heads together. We've put together a guide on a lot of the other things that you need to take into account when you're starting up a business and setting up a structure, uh, setting up a new business, which is exciting. But there's a lot there and there's easily a chance that you'll overlook something that's essential. So we've put together a guide. If you want to have a copy of that guide, then uh, we've put a link to it in the show notes. So there's a link in the show notes to our, uh, our Getting Started in Business Guide. And um, what we'll also do is is you can sign up for, our, for the Business Behind Your Business newsletter where we're going to recap what goes on in our episodes and provide some background uh, information and more, more resources and some go more in-depth on some of the things that we've raised in the podcast. So if you'd like to get your copy of that guide or you'd like to sign up for um, the, the Business Behind Your Business newsletter, then jump on uh, the Business Behind Your Business website and yeah, sign up for those, uh, get, get your copy of the guide and sign up for the newsletter. And of course, if you've got any questions, we'd love to hear from you uh, about what your questions are. So we would really like to answer your specific questions. So we'd love to hear from you. Um, so you can contact us um, via email or through SpeakPipe. If you go to speakpipe.com, the business behind your business, and uh, you can leave us your question as a voice message. That'd be great. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. Do you have a question you'd like our team of experts to answer? If you do, send your question to podcast at thebusinessbehindyourbusiness.com. To hear more from the business behind your business, don't forget to subscribe using your favorite podcast player or you can visit the businessbehindyourbusiness.com website.